This is an EWTN Newslink. I'm Teresa Tomio of Catholic Connection. At least seven Minneapolis police officers quitting. Another seven plan to resign, citing a lack of support from department and city leaders as protests over George Floyd's death escalated. A number of officers have been injured in recent riots and a precinct station was burned. An officer who was shot in the head two weeks ago during a Las Vegas protest of the deaths of George Floyd paralyzed now from the neck down. 29-year-old officer Shay Michelonis remains on a ventilator. A 20-year-old man is charged in that shooting. And Pope Francis says the Holy Eucharist heals wounds and transforms negativity into joy. In his Corpus Christi Sunday homily, the Holy Father said, Every time we receive Jesus, he reminds us we are precious guests invited to his banquet. For more news with a Catholic perspective, visit EWTNnews.com. I'm Teresa Tomio, and the doctor is in with Dr. Ray Garendi. Starts now. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello, Dr. Ray. I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Why do I have to be the insightful profession? Thank you for empowering me. Here's what I think is going on. I think you're a hoot and a half. My idea, my theory, my guidance is a bit of a stretch. I just love your show. Does that comfort you? No. Am I close? No. You are really smart. I am sensitive and understanding and nurturing. Your show to me is like a comedy information show. Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made me feel worse. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Good to have you with me. On the doctor is in Monday through Friday, one o'clock Eastern Time. This uh, came back to me. Uh, got a high school reunion coming up. My re- previous high school reunion was not pleasant. Um, my wife and I were sitting there, and at, at at a table close by was was another girl that that I had um, I really had a crush on, and she had a crush on me in high school, and. She was she was drinking too much. She just was. I was kind of kind of disappointed. And uh, I said, my wife said, "Do you, you know her?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I said, "She was she was my old girlfriend in high school." And I said, "I understand that she she started drinking after we we broke up, and she hasn't stopped since. At least that's that's what I've been told." And my wife just shook her head and said, "Wow, boy, it's hard to believe somebody could celebrate that long." I tell you what, that hurt. <laughs> Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. It's E-Person Monday. This is where I get a chance to catch up on some of the E-Persons that we didn't do uh, in the past here, where we went to a, a five-day-a-week call-in, but the E-Persons just backed up. They backed up a lot. And one of the reasons for that is that we have an invitation for email on the TV show. Um, Living Right with Dr. Ray on the EWTN Catholic TV network. Um, so we get an invitation. We put a little graphic up. It says, if uh, you want to write Dr. Ray, here's where you send it. And they send it to my website, drray.com. So we do get a lot. And sometimes we get more emails and we get calls. Um, and I, I try to get some of them. I, I answer all of them. You know, pe- People will say, don't, don't answer this one, don't answer that one. No, I answer all of them in some way. Sometimes it's as little as, please call the show, I can ask a few questions. Sometimes I refer them to someone in their area or how to find someone in their area. Sometimes they want a book. But a lot of them 
are like a caller. They, they sense, here's my situation. You got any thoughts on this? Um, I'm not going to give you formal advice. I can't do that. But but I can just give you options or considerations and something you can ponder. And that's what we try to do as I go through the e-persons. And anybody that's familiar with how we do this, it isn't, I just don't read the email and then say, okay, Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3. I don't do that. I try to treat the email in some respects as I would a caller, which is I stop. <laughs> Dr. Ray, you don't stop. Okay. I <laughs> I interject after a sentence or two or three in the email, make an observation, make a speculation on what's coming. Because as I've said before, I these emails are selected for broadcast and time goes by. I don't remember the actual substance of the email. So when I start to read it, in some respects, this is new to me as it is to you. I don't know what's necessarily coming the second or third paragraph. So sometimes I make a prediction or an observation on the basis of the first part of the email. And then when I get to the later part of the email, I missed it by a putt from here to Jupiter or I hit it. So that's kind of kind of how we approach it. But on to the manalog. Um, where is this? All right. Do you ever get in an argument with somebody and you have differing opinions? <laughs> no, right? And you think that as you continue to give your reasoning, continue to give your opinions, even even though it's clear this argument's going nowhere. Every time you offer a, a perspective, it's argued with or it's not understood. You have to explain yourself further. And it's it's draining. It's exhausting. And usually it's futile. If you're going to have an enlightening, encouraging interchange with somebody, that's going to be apparent in the first few minutes. It is. They're going to listen to what you have to say, or they're going to ask questions about what you have to say. You're going to ask what they're thinking. And you're, you're going to at least come away understanding each other better. You may not agree, but you can sort of see how they got to where they are in their thinking. This raises the question, why do we parents drone? Drone is a good word. Now, it's come to mean something very different in our culture, as there are drones overhead for all kinds of reasons. But it used to mean go on and on and on and on. Drone. Why do we do this? Well, I think it springs, in part, it's not the only reason, but I think it springs from a very deep need to be understood. We want our kids to accept that we are not bucking for tyrant decade, tyrant parent of the decade award. That's not why we're doing what we're doing. That's not why our prohibition is in effect. That's not why we're trying to redirect their thinking. We're doing it because we love them. We're doing it because we want them to get a, we want them to think a little straighter about this, a little more mature. And we think that if we just keep going, just keep going. We're going to stumble upon something like a key into a lock 
that's going to turn the tumblers, and they will respond. I get it. I get it. I didn't get it 47 minutes ago, Dad, Mom. But I get it now. And you know why? Because you said this. Now, how often have you had that happen? There is a law of diminishing drone returns. The law says that the longer you go on, the less you're going to be heard. And the more likely it's going to end in frustration, ill will, anger, upset, closed down. We so desperately want to be understood. We so desperately want our kids to see that there's method to our madness. We have reasons for doing what we're doing. We've been there. We're wiser. We, we want to guide them. That's true. There's one problem with this. It's a big one. They're kids. And as a general rule, they don't see it our way. And if they did, they wouldn't need us to raise them. So, what do you do? Dr. Ray, are you saying we can't tell our kids anything? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you got to know when to pull the plug. And for most of us, the temptation is to go on too long. We just go on. And you can see the glazed look in their eye. You can see them staring at the floor. You can see all the body language that indicates they're not paying one whit of attention to us. But we keep going. We keep going. We hope for a grunt. A a quick glance upward toward us. Something to indicate we connected. Here's my suggestion. And it follows... I think a principle, a guideline that lawyers use when they are presenting evidence. A lawyer will tell you, if you want to persuade, you want to convince, give your best stuff and then don't clutter it up with more questionable stuff afterward. If you got good evidence, present it. But then don't present a whole bunch of other evidence that is weaker. It lowers the persuasiveness of your case. I don't think that's a bad idea for parents. When you're attempting to be understood, present your best case. I don't really think you should go there. Uh, There isn't enough supervision. I don't trust the circumstances. I don't know what other kids are going to be there, and your safety is my number one concern. Now, that's your strongest case. But then, be careful, because you can get sidetracked. Because they want to sidetrack you. And they want you to present more evidence. Well, you know, I called the mom, and I wasn't convinced that she really understood. Oh, come on! Come on, you you know her from church! You've always said she's a good lady! See, now you've, you've thrown in weaker evidence that they're going to dispute. They can't dispute that you love them. And they can't dispute that you think there's not enough supervision there. And they can't dispute that you don't know what kids are going to be there. That's your, that's your, that's your potent evidence. If you tell yourself, the longer I go on after it's obvious 
I'm not getting through. I'm, I'm only creating a more closed mind in my child. You might say something like, hey, I, I gave you my reasons. You didn't like them. I, I don't want to keep going. I don't want to nag you. I don't want to lecture you. And then you end it. And you don't worry that you weren't understood. I give you a glimmer of hope. In my office, a parent will bring in a child who doesn't understand why they're parenting the way they are. I'll ask the child, why does your mom do that? And the child will give a very reasonable explanation. The parent will look stunned, a deer in many headlights, thinking, how does she know that? I said, well, she knows it. She's always known it. She just doesn't agree with it. Big difference. You got through in your reasoning. You didn't get through in getting cooperation. Let me come back. Heading to the emails. I'm Dr. Ray. Don't touch that dial. Dr. Ray will be back. Solidarity HealthShare began out of the Christian tradition of neighbor helping neighbor. They're a nonprofit medical cost-sharing ministry in which their members share in each other's eligible medical expenses. Solidarity HealthShare is not insurance, but rather an alternative way to pay for medical costs that adheres to the teachings of the Catholic Church. They'll never share in a medical care that goes against their values and morals, such as abortion, contraception, and sterilization. More information available at SolidarityHealthShare.org or at 844-313-4999. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. It's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org. If you believe in the power of prayer, Ave Maria Radio invites you to look at their website to submit a prayer request at AveMariaRadio.net. Your prayer requests are shared with hundreds at the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, the Servants of God's Love, the Monastery of the Blessed Sacrament Cloistered Nuns, the Family of Faith Apostolate, and the staff of Ave Maria Radio. Just go to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the Community tab to submit your prayer request today. Since its inception, the nonprofit Arbor Woman has been embracing life, empowering women, and promoting wellness. Arbor Woman has transitioned from a pregnancy center to a full medical Catholic women's clinic. Please join them for a virtual gala June 25th at 6.30 Eastern. It's an evening of inspirational testimony and exciting updates to benefit Arbor Woman Health. The auction includes dinner with a mystery guest, a nationally renowned local sports celebrity couple. To learn more, go to flourish.cbo.io. That's flourish.cbo.io. You know, sometimes you just don't handle being a parent well. You don't give the right answer. Back when the kids were littler, my uh, my wife called me and she said, Ray, when you get home, two of your sons want to go to the zoo. And then a movie. I said, uh, that's too expensive. It's, it's, it's one or the other. 
She said, okay, which one do you want to, which one do you want? I said, I'll take Andrew. <laughs> I just, I just didn't get it. Okay. This is e-person Monday. Again, as always, I say e-person because I don't want to say email. I mean, so patriarchal, so linguistically insensitive. E-person. And I'm really getting nervous about saying person because that's of the sun. And I should say e-people Monday. Just, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. It just doesn't sound good. Hi, Dr. Ray. There you go. 82.65% of the time. That is a female appellation. Guys, yo, Doc. What's up, Doc? Hey, man. Just different, okay? She says, this is for your mailbag Monday. <laughs> well, this dear lady, <laughs> I don't know how much she listens because it's e-person Monday. God bless her. I can never find the right time to call in otherwise. My overwhelmed stress response to family life is joy, peace, contentment, happiness. No, no, she didn't say that. Hold on, here's what she said. My overwhelmed stress response to family life is, frustratingly, anger. Usually it comes out because I am getting pressed in from all sides and lash out. After I have some time to process things, I always regret my previous behavior, something I try to keep in mind for next time, and I subsequently apologize for it. That's good to do damage control. It's always good to do damage control. People are more tolerant of our failings and imperfections if we recognize them in a humble spirit and apologize. They really are. It's like it's like the kid who's acting up in public. If the parent disciplines the kid in public, other people don't look at the kid so negatively. They don't look at the parent so negatively. It doesn't matter so much that the kid's acting up because the parent dealt with it. It's when the kid acts up in public and the parent doesn't do anything about it that frustrates people the most. So the apology's a great thing here, Ma. However, she says, in my family life, I'm often overwhelmed and stressed. Stressed. Not a particularly good and pleasant place to find myself. And I am not giving a great example of joyful family life. And here it is. Says it all to my brood of nine. Okay, Ma. First of all, you going to have nine kids? You're going to be pressed. That's going to happen. You got nine different personalities scattered all over the graph. You're going to have that. First thing. Second thing. I would suspect that you are putting a lot of pressure on yourself to be just a wonderful human being. You were so much holier before children. Now you've got your crooked finger and you're saying, and your little dog too. You were so much kinder and sweeter and nicer before you had these, these creatures in your house tugging on you, yanking on you and talking at you. But children are rewards from God. They are God's gift. Yeah, 
They are. It doesn't mean they're easy to live with. Come on, think about it. They, they're born self-centered. They're born thinking the universe revolves around them. They stay immature for quite a while. They really have no moral system to speak of. It takes a while. And then we say they're difficult or strong-willed. It's who they are. It's kids. So that's the first thing I would say, Mike. you got, you got to understand that this, this is kids. Kids are kids. Am I profound or what? And to the degree that your expectations are above reality, you're going to get frustrated. Because this is not happening the way you want it to happen. Now, probably the biggest factor that I see with parents who are frustrated by any number of children, could be one or nine, the number one explanation for their frustration is lack of discipline control. They can't pull the plug on behavior that is obnoxious or defiant or nagging or unpleasant. They can't. They'll try to discipline it, and sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't, because the kids will resist them. At one point, our 10 children were 12 and under. My wife homeschooled them. I didn't go home. I UPSed her things. I said, honey, need anything? I'll send you some more pencils. I got a great deal on a box of pencils. She had the ability to say when it got chaotic. Okay, everybody sit down, get a book. And those who didn't got disciplined. She knew she had to pull the plug. She did this kind of craziness. You have to. And she was very good at doing that. Or she could take the one or two or three causing the chaos, get them in a corner, make them put their heads down, make them go to their room. She she extracted them from the nuttiness of it all. Now, my guess would be, Mom, I can't know, but my guess would be that you don't feel fully competent, confident in being able to do that. How do I know this? Because virtually every parent I talk to with a whole bunch of kids will say this. You may have some that will cooperate, but then you got two or three that just will sit there and make your life difficult. So that's the second thing I would say. you got to make sure you got the discipline skills and you can pull the plug. Third thing. And this is what you this is, you said this as a side note. As a side note, if you meet me outside of my house, even with my kids, you would not see that type of struggle in me. In general, I'm pretty laid back and sanguine in temperament. But my house, that's a different story. Well, this relates to a manologue I did a while back. It was, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, no, no, it was seven years ago. The manologue talked about how we are very different across situations. We can be a completely different looking persona in one situation. You know, at church, what a nice lady. And at home, you don't want to get anywhere near her bad side. A guy, oh, he's so fun-loving at work, all the women love him. 
and he hasn't given his wife a compliment for the last four years. So we're, we're very contextually oriented in our behavior. It's not unusual. I, would, I wouldn't think that out in public, indeed, that you would be all that frustrated because you don't have the same expectations and demands and discipline issues when you're out somewhere. We used to have a simple rule when we were out in public if we went to a restaurant. You act up, we take your food. Now we'll either bring it home cold or we'll give you something at home and we'll give your food to... Hold on a second. How did I leave my phone on? Okay. Or we'll give it to one of your siblings, which, of course, caused problems because the siblings were ever ready to tattle because they knew they were going to get the burger and fries that John messed up with his behavior. So that's what I would suggest your mom. Just a few suggestions to help you out. But the bottom line is this. Quit beating yourself up over the fact that you have your frustrations and anger because I think there's a problem with a mom of nine because it's likely that you would say, I should be, I should just be a happy, holy, wonderful person all the time. And the fact that I'm not, I'm not welcoming a little child like the Lord says I'm supposed to. Well, welcome to the rest of us. Doesn't mean you don't keep trying to improve. It just means you don't get totally frustrated when you fall down. Bishop Robert Barron on the priesthood. You as a parent apply Galatians 5. Is watch your kids as they move into the religious space, if you want to put it that way. I you know, made noises about the priesthood on and off when I was a little kid. My parents were never oppressive about it. They never pressed me in that direction. But they would quietly indicate an openness to that or like, that's a good thing. I remember I still have it upstairs, a Bible that my parents got me for Christmas in 1969. I'm a little kid. And it's, you know, from mom and dad to Bob, Christmas 1969. They knew, they sensed I was kind of interested in religious things. So I would say that. Don't be pushy, of course. But don't go the other direction. That's, my generation got too much of that. was, oh, 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 back off. Who am I to tell you what to do? You make your up your mind. No, I think gently, quietly affirming that, yeah, that's a good thing you're thinking about. And you should be open to that. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. How serious is our responsibility to participate in furthering the common good? Very serious. According to the Catholic Catechism, participation is the voluntary and generous engagement of a person in social interchange. This obligation is inherent in the dignity of the human person. Participation calls, first of all, for us to be conscientious in exercising our responsibility in areas where we are directly involved, our families, our children's education, and our work. As far as possible, the Catechism urges, we should take an active role in public life. This leads to the Catechism's conclusion that nations which allow the broadest possible citizen participation are the nations to be lauded. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. 
Well, you know, Teresa Tamio has, I don't want to use the word beg, but it's probably the closest adjective, maybe grovel, to get on my show. Ray, can I get on the show? Ray, can I get on the show? I don't know if you heard it. Last segment, you hear the phone ring? I usually put the phone on silent, but this time I forgot. Well, that was Teresa. And I knew, I knew. She was just, any way she could, she was trying to get on my show. So I silenced her, which is something I'm really not able to do in real life. So it gave me a kind of an exceptional feeling of power to be able to just flip a switch. And she stopped. She's a dear friend. Um, <clears throat> although I have had people email me and say, the way you talk about Teresa Tamio, I just, I think it's disrespectful. Are you kidding me? She's how she talks to me. She's like my older sister. Even though I'm much older than she is, in fact. <laughs> All right, back to, back to, back to the E-Persons. <clears throat> I hope you can help me resolve a conflict that has developed between two of my dear friends and myself. These friends, while not perfect, are kinder, more patient, and more magnanimous than I am. They stood for the traditional teachings of Holy Mother Church. The husband, by his example, has corrected my behavior and brought me more in line with the Catholic Church. Such is my respect for him that I asked this man to be my son's godfather over a decade ago. My friends have recently left the church. They have become non-Catholic Christians. They now believe all religions are pretty much the same. On on occasion, they've questioned me publicly about how I'm raising my sons teaching chastity to avoid pregnancy and disease, refusal of contraception, and my support of the church's teachings on a whole range of moral issues. Neither my sons nor I will waver in our choice to follow the church's teachings. How do I convincingly answer my friends' challenges when they no longer believe the teaching of the church? Well, if you wouldn't have put in that convincingly there... You made the whole answer to the question much tougher. Because if your friends adamantly refuse to look at the logic and the reasoning, the wisdom behind the church's teaching on these matters, then I don't care who you are, you're not going to convince them. So that's the first thing you got to accept in getting into any kind of interaction with them. I heard you gave some apologetics to a man who was raised Catholic but left the church. I hope you can give me similar arguments to present to my friends. Not only to defend my family's position, but to woo them back to the Lord's church. Well, all right. First thing you got to do is you got to give up the idea that your goal is to woo them back to the Catholic church. Why do I say this? Dr. Ray, shouldn't that be my goal? Um, if you make that your goal, you're going to get frustrated. Because it's not going to happen quickly if it happens. It's going to take a long time. I was out of the church for eight years before I ever so slowly inched my way back. So, in the early days, 
somebody would have tried to convince me, I would have I would have had my own arguments as as feeble as they were in response. So first thing, let's let's not get let's not feel the pressure to say I got to get them to understand this. I got to get them to understand this. You, you're going to have to accept that they might not. Two. Ask them why they've decided that these things that they once held dear, they no longer hold dear. What happened? What changed? What uh, moved their thinking? What was it? If you have logic, reason, that you can explain to them, don't, don't explain it. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't say, well, here's what I think. Here's what the church says. Don't do that. Say, well, how would you respond to the idea that, and then you, you explain what the church says. You say, how would you respond to that? In other words, rather than you being on defense and saying, I've got to defend the church. I've got to show them. No, no, no. Get them to explain why they left. Why they now think the way they do. Why they believe the church is wrong on this stuff. Ask them, and I think when somebody who, who has left the church, at one point, as you described it, they, they were believers in the church's teachings. Ask them, why, why do you think you believed that then? Why did you accept that then? At which point they'll probably say something like, well, I didn't know enough. I didn't know enough. I didn't know the Bible enough. I didn't realize enough. So what do you know now that has changed all that? Were you, were you ignorant about the church then? You, you thought you knew, but you didn't? What, what is it? Please help me. Help me understand. I just want to understand. One time I, was involved in a discussion with a friend, and this is after I was coming back to the church. He was in our Bible study. It was, it was kind of a Bible study composed of Catholics and evangelicals. He was still evangelical, staunchly evangelical. So I was asking him about some of this stuff, and it, it appeared that I was getting nowhere. I mean, oh, there he dug in his heels and... And whatever questions I asked, however I asked them, however gently I tried to understand, he had an answer, and there was no way he was going to budge. That man is now Catholic. And that night, driving home with his wife, he said this, and he told me later that he said this. He said, Did I sound as stupid as I think I sounded, you would never have known that if you would have been watching that interchange. You would have said, Ray is getting nowhere. He has an answer to everything Ray asks. But you see, he had to explain his opinions and his beliefs. And when you got to do that, when you got to explain how you got there, Better than anything else, it reveals the weaknesses in your thinking. Now, some people will deny those weaknesses. That's true. But other people will say, 
I never did bother to think about it with any depth. My motives were shallow. I'm Dr. Ray. This is E-Person Monday, and I really thank you a lot for joining me. to communion. Through EWTN Radio, we talk to audiences all over the world. One thing I found out is everybody in the whole world has the same set of questions. They live the same human life. They all want meaning. They all want love. They all want significance. They want forgiveness. That's the most fascinating thing to me. The same answers work wherever you are throughout the world because we're all children of God. Called to communion with Dr. David Anders. This afternoon, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. I'm Dr. Stan Williams, and this is the Evidences for Christianity. Some people will say that religion is personal and therefore outside the purview of objective examination. As Christians, we cherish the feelings and impressions we get from having a personal relationship with God. So how do we know such feelings and impressions are trustworthy? St. Paul says to test everything. And how do we test subjective feelings? A well-formed conscience is a start, but how do we properly form our conscience? Again, St. Paul writes, Study to show yourself approved, rightly interpreting the word of truth. And what is the foundation of that truth? How about the historical facts, archaeological evidences, and the logical reasons that establish the Church of Jesus Christ? To explore more, go to AveMariaRadio.net. Under Resources, look for me. Dr. Stan Williams. St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, they all called God friend, and you can too. In Carmelite Spirituality, the Way of Carmelite Prayer and Contemplation, Anders Cardinal Arborelius shows you how you can awaken to the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit within you. Carmelite Spirituality, the latest release from EWTN Publishing, now available at EWTNRC.com or call 1-800-854-6316. Good to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Grady. The program, The Doctor, is in Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, on some close to 400 EWTN Catholic radio affiliates, wonderful networks out there. Got a chance to go around and meet a lot of the folks in all the networks. That's been one of the great benefits of doing this program. Just have met an awful lot of wonderful station managers, station staff, people in the areas, lots of folks I never would have had a chance to come in contact with. Good people, working hard for our Lord and His church. It's, uh, that's a real privilege. So I just want to thank you. All right, where is this one? This is... Um, back when I wrote my very first book, 
you're a better parent than you think. There was a chapter called, Is My Child Normal? One of the points of the chapter is that we have really, really narrowed what we consider normal now. It's sort of an an irony, because at the same time that psychology has preached we need to be more open, more tolerant, tolerant, wider, more flexible, at the same time we've scared people into thinking that their kid isn't normal. There's something wrong here. One of the examples I used in the chapter was a mom who had a 14-year-old son. She said, what a pleasant young man. Sweet, respectful, helps me with chores. Just just a delight. And I said, wow, well, man, that's great. A lot of people would, would, would just envy your situation. She said, no, nah, it makes me a little nervous. Huh? Well, you know, with everything I've read about adolescence, um, he shouldn't he shouldn't be that way, should he? I mean, shouldn't he kind of just be a little lippy or something? Maybe I'm worried he's too cooperative. You know, what's that gonna what's that gonna do to him when he's an adult? So you see what mom did? Mom was nervous because this kid was a sweetheart. I remember reading once years ago. A mother wrote into this very high-profile pediatrician. And the letter went something like this. I've read about the terrible twos, but my son is not in them. He's as sweet as sweet can be. Should I be worried? Now, one might say, what? Well, that's not the worst of it. The answer was this. Dear Mom, I predict your little angel will soon change. If he doesn't, then yes, I would be worried. I'm not making this up. This is this is what the guy said. Yes, I would be worried. A child who behaves too well often does so at the cost of his development and self-image. A good parent expects good behavior, but not very often. Now, I've used that example in some of my talks. And at the end, I've said, can you imagine if this little sweetheart of a kid stays sweet? By the time he's seven or eight, mom could take him to therapy. Tell a therapist, he's just he's just too nice. He's just such a kind boy. Can you work with him? And then after a month, the therapist said, well, we're getting somewhere. He started two fires and tortured a squirrel. Oh, boy. Well, this dear mom here, this poor mom, got hit with the same thing. Listen to this. Parent-teacher conference has occurred this past week involving my son in kindergarten, kindergarten public school. We're a Catholic family. We believe our faith, the principle and foundation, which is love and kindness. Raising our three sons, we strive to instill in them the importance of love and kindness to all. My son learned to recite our Father, the Angel of God, prayers, before he could even write his own name. Okay, so Mom's saying, look, our faith's important to us. Recently, at our parent-teacher conference, we were informed by his teacher that she feels, quote, he is overly kind, quote, He must learn to dial down his kindness. The teacher then cited occasions in which my son, quote, 
helped girls and others first before himself. Quote, unfortunately, now see, this would tick me off. This would just tick me off. This teacher has already spoken to my son and told him, quote, he should become more selfish, but not selfish. Now, what little kindergartens are going to understand that? Then she said, quote, he should put himself first. See, this is the self-esteem mantras. This is what has taken over so much of education. You can't like others if you don't like yourself. Be concerned about number one, then you can be concerned about others. Exactly the opposite of what our Lord has told us. And by the way, exactly the opposite of what psychological research has confirmed, which is people who are altruistic and kind generally are more content, well-adjusted people. Um, We should not have raised him this way, his teacher said. At lunchtime, he even picks up and cleans things that should be my responsibility. She feels he is overstepping helpful and kind-heartedness behavioral areas. He's been singled out for this behavior. Oh, for heaven's sake. I only hope, Mom, that you have enough self-confidence in your motherhood to realize what nonsense this is. You got a sweetheart of a kid. You didn't make him that sweet, okay? I'm going to tell you that. He's sweet in part because of your parenthood, and in part because he's a sweetheart. I got My oldest son is a sweetheart. He's just a sweetheart. He's a kind, decent human being. My wife and I didn't give him that kind, decent personality. We taught him the faith, but he absorbed our parenting in good part because of who he was. It's just the way he's wired. Okay. This contradicts everything we have taught him, and obviously he has learned and living. True, I agree with that. I think he absorbed a lot what you've taught him. Our son has grown up with female cousins. And he's had this protecting, loving predisposition with them. That's right, he's he's wired that way. He treats girls well. And not like they have cooties, (laughs) which is common for that age. He has carried this protective thoughtfulness with him even into the public school system. Wonderful. Wonderful. This teacher was way off, and she's just reiterating the mantra of the self-esteem gospel. I've got stories like this all over the place. My husband and I were appalled at these comments, and I've been agonizing over this situation. At home, my son has begun saying he does not like writing and does not want to participate in it. We do not believe this may be consequential. We believe, I think she means we believe, This may be consequential to the situation of school. We believe it is in best interest for us to speak of the principal of the school as well to address this volatile situation. It is if the teacher is not keeping her opinions to herself. If she's singling him out in front of the class, I would first approach her. And then I would say, excuse excuse me, we're very happy. We're pleased that he's this way. Well, you must understand that my experience is that children who do this eventually are going to get resentful and they will be taken advantage of and they will not learn the give and take of society. She'll give you all that. Okay? Brace yourself for it. You're going to hear it. She's not going to say, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that's what you're trying to teach. I, I doubt that. I really doubt that. She's going to defend her turf. And she's going to, she's going to portray to you that she's the expert in parenting. So, and then mom goes on to say, she says, at this point we're seeking advice. 
First thing, Mom, you got to realize it's nonsense. You got to realize that what you're teaching your son is interacting with his beautiful predisposition. He's just a sweetheart of a kid. Thank God. How wonderful. How nice. At all, it does not indicate that he's going to be a doormat. That somehow he's just too sweet and people are going to... You know what? By the time he's 12, they're going to steal his retirement fund because he's so kind and he's so giving and he's going to get an email that says, send it to this Nigerian prince. That's what we do. We over, over stretch badly. Secondly, what you want to do about the teacher... Kind of be, kind of, kind of be here in your situation because I, I think I would, I would ask her gently and kindly. We value this and we don't see it as a problem at all. And please don't comment on it in front of the class because he's now even starting to doubt himself, and we just don't want that. And if you find out it's happening still, then you might have to do, you might have to do something about it. Oh gosh, man. Well, that happened with one of my kids once, too. She said something about, I think you should hold her back because of this, 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 and this. And I said, well, I don't think so. I don't think so. And the girl she wanted to hold back because she thought that this particular girl wasn't aware of what was going on in class and she was immature. And I said, no, 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 she's very aware. She's just, she's just quiet. She assesses. Well, okay, but you know, these kids, a lot of times when they get older and they get into high school and college, they're just, they're behind, they're immature. Well, that behind immature daughter graduated from college when she was 20 and was the youngest officer in the United States Army. So I, I don't, I don't think <laughs> that affected her. I'm Dr. Ray. This program brought to you in part by the nonprofit Angelicum Academy. This is Father Joseph Essio. I have an important message for all your homeschooling families. You can get an outstanding and fully accredited Catholic college education and save $100,000. To learn how, go to angelicum.net. That's angelicum.net. Earn 75 college credits and an associate's degree in high school for just $3,500 a year. And earn your BA degree just one year later at age 19. Check this out at angelicum.net. The EWTN home video highlight for June is Living the Scriptures with Mother Angelica. These vintage Mother Angelica episodes will profit your soul and cheer your spirit. Each episode demonstrates Mother's insights, wisdom, and humor, which beautifully penetrate her reflections on the Old and New Testaments. Order your DVD set at EWTNRC.com, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, or call 1-800-854-6316. This is Dr. Stan Williams. Why do Christians believe what they do? Not what, but why? What are the facts, evidences, and reasons for the Christian faith? Nineveh's Crossing has just released a new book titled Basic Christianity, Facts, Evidences, Reasons. It's a religious education course for teens through adults in Christian history, archaeology, and logic. Basic Christianity, available now at AveMariaRadio.net in the bookstore. Look for me, Dr. Stan Williams. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. 
You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Well, just a few more minutes here on this E-Person Monday with me, Dr. Ray. And uh, I did find one I think I can squeeze in here. Dr. Ray is a newbie, grandmother of a beautiful two-month-old baby girl. I totally related to what you said to both mother-in-laws on your show today. Well, I don't remember what I said, but there is advice to mother-in-laws on their daughter-in-law's wedding day, which is sit up, shut up, and wear beige. Good advice to grandparents. Just wanted to add two scriptural verses that identify, at least to me, why there will be ongoing tension in a family, even maybe more so between mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. And you're right. I, I, I'm not going to worry about political correctness here. My experience has been, and I think most people will back this up, if there is parenting disagreements between mom and grandma, it is most often daughter-in-law, mother-in-law disagreement. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, I think one of them is that uh, the maternal uh Instincts on both sides are very strong. Okay. I've had Suzanne Fowler of Lightway, W-E-I-G-H fame, say, Our mother wears army boots. There's no place where she won't go. <laughs> Yet, when it, be- when it comes to being a mother-in-law, our blessed lady can't seem to offer us consolation and a model of how to deal with that situation. Of course she can. Obviously, if you're looking into scripture to see how she handled... She never was a mother-in-law. So you're right. She can't offer you that from personal experience, but she can sure offer you that from our church's teachings. Okay, let's see. And she put, as for being a mother-in-law herself, well, I don't believe anything Dan Brown of the Da Vinci Code ever wrote. Here's the scripture that prevails over the particular relationships in-laws should consider. In Genesis, that is why a man will leave his mother and father and cling to his wife. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of mothers will say, "Man, I can't believe my son." I mean, he's just like he's he's throwing his lot in with her. Well, at at some at some point, uh, yes, uh, the mothers are shocked that their son is kind of really angling toward his wife. But again, he lives with her, and he may decide that even though she seems unreasonable, that's who he's living with. Somewhere in the Gospels, fathers against sons, mothers against daughters, mother-in-laws against daughter-in-laws until the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah, our, our Lord said that. He said, I've come not to bring peace but a sword. Um, relatives basically will turn on relatives. And what they're saying in large part is that because of belief in me and trying to live as my follower, there are going to be people who are going to persecute you, mostly verbally in our culture, but they will. And that happens very strongly in families, unfortunately. Happened to our Lord in his time, and he was sinless. So if anybody didn't deserve to be verbally attacked and offended against, it was him. All right. Okay, I didn't divulge your name. And <laughs> she, she speaks here in Italian to me. Got to run. Thanks for joining me here on The Doctor is In on E-Person Money. Thank you, Dan McGraw, for taking care of things on that end, for flipping the right switches when they're supposed to be flipped, and for flipping the switch to make me be quiet. That may be the best switch that people think you have there. When my mother said, go get a switch, 
Well, I'm living with that mom now. Dan has a switch. Walk with God. It's your eternal walk. You want to keep walking all the way into eternity on that one. You don't want to give up the walk. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. What's stopping you from becoming a Catholic? This is Dr. David Anders answering your calls, emails, and text messages. Call to Communion is next on most of these EWTN stations. Looking for a 2020 view on how Catholics are voting in the upcoming election? EWTN News and Real Clear Opinion Research are partnering to bring you clear and concise data on where the nation stands on issues, candidates, policies, and more by surveying Americans, including Catholics like you. And it's available now at EWTNNews.com forward slash poll. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. The Faith and Freedom Minute explores the intersection of our Catholic faith and modern American culture, offering insights to understand and navigate the divide between secular viewpoints and our Catholic principles. Brought to you by the Knights of Columbus, here's past State Deputy for Texas, Douglas Oldmixon. When the Archbishop of Baltimore, James Gibbons, was made the second American cardinal, he proclaimed the American heritage of religious liberty during his visit to Rome. Speaking of the great progress the Catholic Church had made in the United States, he attributed it to the civil liberty we enjoy in our enlightened republic. He made a bolder claim, namely, that in the genial atmosphere of liberty, the Church blossoms like a rose. President George Washington had earlier written of the same liberty. Happily, the government of the United States gives to bigotry no sanction, to persecution no assistance, and requires only that they who live under its protection should demean themselves as good citizens in giving it on all occasions their effectual support. As Catholics and as Knights of Columbus, we understand completely our duty to be good and faithful citizens of the nation, and we simply request that our nation carefully maintain the genial atmosphere of liberty and give to bigotry no sanction and to persecution no assistance. Will you join us? This has been the Knights of Columbus Faith and Freedom Minute. To learn more about the effective witness and practical works of the world's largest Catholic family organization, please visit our website at tkfc.org. That's T. K-O-F-C dot O-R-G We ask that you pray for all seminarians and everyone discerning a religious vocation, that they may be granted God's mercy and strength to continue to pursue Him. Pray that their hearts be made holy to serve others in the name of our Lord. Please keep them near to your heart and in your prayers, and ask that their hearts be set ablaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Thank you and God bless. Streaming to the world at grnonline.com and on your FM dial at 89.7, we're KJMA, Floresville, San Antonio. All Catholic, all the time.